welcome back, all you travellers, to Into the Night, a Moon Knight podcast. A podcast all about the guy in the title. I'm one of your three hosts this week, Connor. I'm your other host, Ray. And uh, we have a special guest, a third host for our show tonight. Uh, We'll be looking at issue 199, the penultimate issue of Max Bemis' run. So, strap yourselves in. Get out your issues, sit back, relax, and get your conchi on. Hi, thank you all for joining us, whether it's your first time or your second time, or being here all this time. We're glad to have you. We are joined by the lovely Chad as our special guest this week. More of an honorary member. How you doing, Chad? Doing pretty good now that I'm lovely. Yes, the power of Chad. It's always good to have you back, Chad. It's been a while, uh, we, we just mentioned, but always good to have you on. Um, and you've kind of helped us out with a little bit of something as well. Um, Connor, I'm not sure you've you've heard it. Uh, did you hear the little recording that Chad had made? Oh, no, not yet. I guess I've got to treat for myself when it drops. Yeah, I'll just... You guys will be able to hear it soon, too. Yeah, exactly, loonies. Um, Connor, myself, and Chad, we have cobbled together a a little uh, audio ad. So, you know, touch wood with any luck. You might hear it pop up in other podcasts you may listen to. But Chad Chad was our voice at the end, giving us the the ITK uh, credits. So that was really cool, Chad. So thanks for that. Yeah, no problem. Um. And we, uh, I mean, as usual, we usually follow the phases of the moon here. So uh, this being, I do believe, I actually haven't got it open with me. I, I believe it's a waxing crescent. Um, we, oh no, it's a, it's a waning gibbous. We technically will be doing a an Isla Ra, but since... The latest issue of the current Moon Knight run is out. That supersedes everything. So we will be looking at issue 199. But again, loonies, fear not. That is not the only episode for your hot little ears uh, in a couple of days' time. Actually, I think on Monday, we might as well make it Monday, guys. You know, Monday, Moon Day. Um, we will release an Isla Ra episode for you to appease Conchu. So, uh, as mentioned... Um, Let me just open this spreadsheet out. Uh, It is technically a waning gibbous, sorry. So, Konshu, uh, you know, demands that we provide an Isla Ra. So, we'll be doing that on the Monday. But uh, you have, for the meantime, a review of 199. And before we get into it, guys, oh my gosh, this is going to be a doozy to review. Probably the most hotly contested issue of this entire run, and it's going to be something to talk about. I don't even, yeah, I'm not even sure I've fully processed my thoughts on it. Read it twice, one ex- once extremely tired, <laughs> now once more awake, getting it all in. Uh, Chad, have you reread it in your um, in your sleep deprived state as well? Oh, of course. <laughs> has has it made made more sense? Times. Uh, I'm not sure if it helps being like this deprived of sleep, but 
it's a different view. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, I can imagine. Well, anyway, um, we have that coming up for you, loonies, for sure. No worries. But before that, as always, we'll have a little bit of idle chatter. Um, and just wanted to ask you guys, I guess, what have been the, the big hits for the past week for you, apart from 199, of course, uh, comics-wise, I mean? Chad, I'll let you lead the way if you want. Oh, honestly, I haven't really been picking up on any new comics. Um, I finished the Batman Metal series. Okay. Oh, nice. That was uh, that was pretty intense. <laughs> have you? Have either of you gotten into that one yet? Uh, no, 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 not um. Yeah, not at all. I kind of bypassed that phase of Snyder, admittedly. Yeah, I'm it's, pretty. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty ignorant with with DC stuff. But yeah, sorry, Chad, you were saying. It's pretty intense. It's basically dark knights of all different calibers invading our like prime continuity universe, and uh, so there's one dark knight of each type of Justice League character. Like, there's a Batman that's the Flash, there's a Batman that's Cyborg, there's a Batman oh, wow. that's Ooh. essentially uh, Doomsday instead of Superman. There's a Wonder Woman version of the Dark Knight. It's just... And they're all malevolent. They're all here to just ruin everything. Oh, wow. Is, is it going to be... Have I misheard somewhere, or maybe someone was just joking? This is like... Um, Metal, right? Are they going to do other other genres? Of um, <laughs> is it going to be a a Batman jazz or a a Wonder, a Wonder Woman um, uh, rockabilly, something like that? No. <laughs> oh, it's it's metal because the different metals of the universe, like ah. the nth metal and all that. Ah, right. And right. yeah, yeah. Cool. you um. Did you follow on from metal? Like, did you follow into the new age of heroes and stuff like that? Are you happy where where it kind of went after metal, or have you have you uh, uh, dived into that? I'm pretty happy with the open endedness of it. Cool, cool. Um, I I'm kind of afraid for what's going to be going on in the DC universe now because. It is so open. Things are just kind of like, kind of willy-nilly. They're just opening up brand new worlds, literally, and just kind of there for the ride. Right. Like the whole DC Odyssey event. Yeah. But isn't that is that is that good in a way? In that I guess the the legacy characters won't be messed with. I mean, you you've basically essentially got different realities uh, or different versions of, of characters. Yeah, um, there's a lot of different characters yeah. being pulled in. Yeah, I mean, you know how some people, you know, prefer their legacy characters to to remain true to themselves. I guess with that, that's a nice way to to bypass that and and still have different versions of of what your favorite character would be. I'd imagine. Yeah. Hmm. And uh, and Connor, how about you? Uh, anything? Ah, uh, yeah. I've been back on my comics bullshit. I've been um, following some some great stuff this week. Uh, both uh, the new Transformers Lost Light 24 and Peter Parker the Spectacular Spider-Man 310 Ooh. both made me cry, so those get a pretty big wreck. 
Cool. Uh, Spectacular Spider-Man 310, if you're a Spidey fan, it's a one-shot. Check it out. It's a really great piece. Uh, Jeff Lemire on The Sentry is great. Tom, yeah. Ta- Tom Taylor on X-Men Red. We've both been a little more into the X-Men lately, and I feel like that's the best title at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, Infidel, the Image Comics horror series, got its trade release, which I picked up, and it is probably the best horror comic of this year. Ooh, so if you're a horror okay. fan... Give that one a check out. Beats, uh, Gideon, uh, great... beats Gideon Falls? Yeah, well, I think Gideon Falls more kind of reminds me of like a Twins Peak sort of thing. This is the, ah. this just feels straight up, you know, yeah. very yeah. visceral horror with a great set of, I don't know, political commentary for right now as well. Yeah. So yeah. It, it, was, it was a good week. Oh, cool. Uh, new Batgirl, actually, I'm really enjoying. That's something else to just throw out there. Oh, lovely. Lovely. Yeah, I mean, I haven't. Uh, I'm a bit behind. Um, I've got. I think I'm about two weeks behind. Uh, I did read the Century though. Century is really good. I really enjoyed that one actually. Uh, I think that's the second last issue of it, part four or five, by Jeff Lemire. Um, very good. Uh, other than that, I have. Li- I mean, maybe I'm behind because I'm reading older stuff. Um, so I'm just reading through uh, the first, um, f- the first complete collection of Werewolf by Night. Um, by Jerry Conway. Oh, I'm about halfway through that, but that's a you know about 400, 500 pages. So that's keeping me busy. Uh, that's really good. Um, finishing off the Shadow Man Deluxe Edition from Valiant. Um, it's up to issue. It's, it's issue zero. So there are eleven issues in this uh, hardcover. Um, so just the last one there, which is really cool. It's it's the uh, retelling of the history of Master Dark and his sister Sandra. Um, so for Valiant fans, there you'll know. That's a bit of juicy history in the Valiant universe. Um, also, I've started uh, Demon Bear by New Mutants. I thought that would be a bit of a fun read. Um, I know the New Mutants movie has been prolonged, but um, yeah, but you know, I kind of like the New Mutants, so see how that goes. And uh, Volume 2 of Royals, the Inhumans um, that trade. Uh, yeah, enjoying that. Uh, it's it's uh, it's solid. Um I don't know, it's still, like, with Inhumans, it still hasn't got me totally on board. I mean, I don't mind the characters, but I'm not, like, I'm not, not rushing to to see them. Um, do any of you guys like the Inhumans at all? I love the Inhumans. Yeah. Um, it just always depends what series you're reading they've had. Yeah. They've had bigs up and ups and downs over the years. I think um, the Al Ewing, um, <clears throat> Salad and Ahmed recent period was pretty good. I think Soul yeah. did, if you read his Uncanny Inhumans... And all new and humans, they weren't always great, but they had some pretty stellar issues. Oh, yes. And James Asmus yeah. did, did a bit of that as well. It was really good. Yep, yep. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> uh, yeah, and then um, the Paul Jenkins run from uh, Marvel Knights, that's still pretty beloved. Yep. And then the early stuff is... It's a bit of a strange one. I mean, their stuff yeah. in the Fantastic Four is pretty fun, but yeah. as far as 90 goes, I guess they were still very much finding... Yeah. Where they were in the universe. That's true. And, and uh, The Power of Chad. Have you read many Inhumans books? Not really, because mm. I kind of have this bad taste in my mouth from the Inhumans. Mm. I think I got into one of the down notes on the series. And uh. it just kind of, yeah. Turn me away from it for a while. Yeah, I mean, I like, I would like to like them as well, but I think I know what you mean, Chad. Um, and you know, t- to be honest, uh, you know, we won't get into it, but you know, with Paul Jenkins' run, I read that, um, 
yeah, I thought it was okay. <laughs> um, I can see how important it was in the whole canon of the Inhumans, but uh, as as a as an arc and as a series, I thought it was okay. Uh, yeah, but I, I'm actually I'm enjoying Royals. It's 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 pretty good. There's some relationships there. There's a bit of cosmic stuff, so that's a bit of fun. Uh, yeah, but like you mentioned earlier, kind of, I'm kind of leaning now back towards the mutants, and I know you can't you can't you know put one off against the other, but yeah, the X titles are still starting to really pique my interest, and uh, I do love uh, Domino as well. That was really she, that was a really good run by Gaussman. Still going. The first arc finished up. Um, so yeah, really enjoying that. Um, but anyway, Loonies. So. You know, you can see there's a, a plenty, a, a plethora of books that we are reading at the moment. But you are here, no doubt, for Moon Knight, our Fist of Conchu, our Avatar of Vengeance. So, uh, just right before we head into our review, um, I'm just going to throw it over to the word on the streets this week for all the latest news. What's happening, Loonies? It's the man on the street with the word on the street this week. All honor to his name, Norm Brayfogle, artist on Mark Spector Moon Knight number 42, passed away this week. We remember Brayfogle as a go-to Batman artist for runs on, like, Birth of a Demon. While he did most of his work for DC, he also starred at Marvel as an artist for issues of Black Panther and, of course, Moon Knight. We remember him and his credit, and of course, contributing to the legend of Moon Knight. This week, too, we also received confirmation that both Bill Sienkiewicz and Jeff Lemire, writer on a loony favorite issue of Moon Knight, have received art credits for Moon Knight number 200, coming at the end of October. I'm excited to see the man Sienkiewicz, but I'm also very excited to see Jeff Lemire's artistic ability uh, and his chops on number 200. We do know that issue 200 is going to end Max Bemis' run as writer and for the foreseeable future end Moon Knight's presence as a solo title in Marvel's catalog. But we do know that Jason Burroughs, Paul Davidson, Bill Sienkiewicz, Jeff Lemire, and several others as artists will be featured within the issue. We also know that the chief cover will be by Becky Cloonan, who we've seen several times and has been well-respected by the Moon Knight Looney community. And several other variant covers are available, one from Kevin Nolan, uh, another from Philip Tan, a remastered variant cover from Bill Sienkiewicz, a black-and-white version of that remastered variant cover from Sienkiewicz. But I do wonder, too, where are Greg Smallwood? Where's Declan Shelby? Where we might see some of our favorite artists even writers turn artists that might contribute to this special event. We do know, too, though, that David Finch has a special variant cover that was announced this week that brings us back to the Houston run, the bottom, that many loonies are quite fond of. So, that said, that's the word on the street from the man on the street this week. So keep your ear close to the ground and an ever-watchful gaze on Conchu's eye of the moon. Yes, that was Tommy with the word on the street from your man on the streets. Thank you, Tommy. So, guys. Yeah. I think 
the biggest one there is the biggest word on the street is about all those covers coming out for issue 200 and availability, yeah. I think. Oh, gosh. You guys had any luck tracking down the now hundreds of dollars? <laughs> these, these ones coming out, such as the Sinkevich ones, and bloody oh, hell. Oh, that's impossible, that one. My God, there, there are two versions, one to 500 and one to 1,000. It's next to impossible to get. Um, Chad, have you had any luck by any chance? Uh, unfortunately, no. Mm. You know, no you know, local comic book shops out here still. Uh, the closest one is in Seattle. That's a few hours away. Yeah. Gotta spend money just to get to it. Yeah. And then the next best option, I guess, is eBay. Um, but then you get people that will be selling it for an arm and a leg. So, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be tough. But I'm gonna try to pick up the other ones, like the the David Finch one. Look, I, I a bit of an indulgence. I do love the David Finch art of Moon Knight. That will be good, and that's definitely attainable. Uh, and also the the couple of the others, obviously the Becky Cloonan and the I believe it's a one to fifty. It's by Tan, I think. Um, should be able to get that, hopefully, as well. Um, yeah, how about yourself, Connor? Have you, have you had any luck? Uh, i, I got to admit, I'm not really looking. I love that Becky Cloonan cover too much to get anything else. Oh, that that is one's a, my big buy. Yeah, that is a be- beautiful cover. Um, yeah. Oh. I mean, they're all great. Like, that Finch one is probably, I don't know, some of the best his Moon Knights looked, you know. That's a great run, but, you know, still t- it's kind of still of its time. This one feels really fresh in what he's been doing. With great work on Batman, so I mean, yeah. I'm glad almost that one's easier to find. Yeah, true, true. Sorry, Chad, you were about to say something. Oh, I was just agreeing about the Becky Cloonan covers. Mm. Like, they're just so good. Oh, oh. What even, a get for this series! Absolutely. I mean, even the one for one ninety nine now it's just so beautiful. I've got that as one of my my wallpapers um <laughs> the colors are just really good as well i mean and i'd never think i'd, I'd actually say you know moon knight's colors because you know he's predominantly black and white but um really really nice stuff um okay we might just take a quick short break and uh, we'll be right back for our review face front true believers and riddle me this do you enjoy comics Great. Well, you're already halfway there. Join me, and together we can rule the galaxy as listener and producer. My new weekly to bi-weekly show deals with the heroes that don't get enough credit. Street-level heroes like Daredevil, Moon Knight, Spider-Man, and the like. With a strong emphasis on stories that don't get quite enough credit either. Or perhaps are just plain goofy. With the occasional look into jumping on points for new readers who might be interested. I'm Ethan Ainsworth, and this is Knights, a Marvel podcast. Check me out on Podbean and iTunes. Fun isn't something one considers when balancing the universe. But this podcast (laughs) does put a smile on my face. Yes. Hello, hello. We are back with... um our lunar pick, I guess. It's our current run. So, our lunar pick for this issue is Moon Knight Volume 9, 199. Now, guys, this is such a such a weird issue. I mean, we've had a lot of responses. <laughs> um, and it, it was a strange one. So, I guess right off the bat, 
first impressions then i'll uh, put it to, to chad first um we alluded to all this a little earlier but what were your overall first impressions for this issue Overall, like, when I came into this, I really thought that, like, there was content there, and I felt like there was just something missing, because as many times as I went through it, there was just, like, a lot of ups and downs, but mm-hmm. it didn't go anywhere. Mm. Oh, like, yeah. it was just, like I said in the spoiler page, you know, it's like shoots and ladders yeah. with no endgame. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> I cannot deny shared feelings um, for that as well. How about yourself, Connor Shu? Ooh, I mean, like I said, when I first read this, I was tired, and I did not make a lick of sense out of it. But upon rereading it, I actually, I liked where this issue went. I think it's a big leaping um, off point for issue 200, and I think it suffers without being able to read 200 straight after. Like, I feel like this issue will be much better when 200 comes out, and you feel like what this issue points to works more, because I think a lot of the ideas it poses for Mark and the Society of Sadists, you know, with that big reveal at the end, seems to work into 200. And as an issue itself, it kind of suffers, but I still like the writing, I love the art. Yeah, so it's it's an interesting one, but I was still pretty big on it, I'll admit. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it was a very strange one. Um, look, again, uh, same like you guys. I, I met this with a, a bit of confusion. I did actually, funnily enough as well, I did read this really late first as well. So like you, Connor, <laughs> I read it when I was really tired and um, it was late at night. I think it was edging towards midnight. And I thought, oh, might as well give this a go now. Uh, and I was just left baffled by it. I, I, I found... Um, I found the narrative thread a bit hard to follow. Uh, as you said, Chad, it, it just didn't seem to go anywhere. I, I, I guess there were a lot of ideas in there that Max Bemis was trying to instill, but it seemed very loose, and it was hard to gather what the overall message was other than the, the very high-level, simple message of, um, of it. Um, so, yeah, it was very... Very uh, interesting. The art was... I thought... I, I really liked the art. I mean, a lot of people were saying maybe not, but um, I still like Paul Davidson's art. I think it was really good. Uh, really good facial expressions. But yeah, just left a, a little a little bit unsatisfied, a little bit wanting to, to know more. Um, yeah. So what I think we'll do, Connoisseur and Chad... Um, Chad, you've actually provided some really good... Um, a really good, shall we say, bare bones to this whole issue. So what I was thinking was um, we can just... I'll let recorded Chad uh, take it away with the credits and um, and maybe we'll break this up into acts. So um, what we have for you now, loonies, is that we have a recording here from, from the power of Chad, um, from your past self, Chad. Um, we have you going through basically page by page but we'll let's go let me throw it to i guess the first scene of the the issue with um with mark and max ernst at the carbonadium cafe so uh take it away chad all right this is moon knight issue 199 the writer is max Bemis. artist is paul davidson 
color artist is Matt Miller. Letter is VC's Corey Pettit. Cover artist is Becky Clunan. And the design is done by Nick Russell. Williamsburg, Brooklyn, New York. Outside the Carbonadium Cafe, we have Old Uncle Ernst looking a little bit yellow in the eye. It's not happy looking either. Uh, wearing a white button-up shirt. It's snowing. Looks like they're on Bedford Avenue. And uh, he's basically going off on this tangent about degrading Mark and his mental illness and how he essentially just uses it as a uh, scapegoat for his mental health. Saying uh, there's no such thing as multiple personality disorder or whatever your legion of soft, pliable brats choose to call it these days. Uh, obviously discrediting the problems that he has. Your trio of imaginary friends are merely extensions of your own whim. Mental illness, social awareness, do not even get me started on the proliferated fallacies of queer and multi-ethnic. Me too, me too. Sheep. You choose to dwell among sheep. Yeah, he's not a happy camper. Then it goes ahead and pans over to an like outside view and shows Uncle Ernst sitting down at a table with a very disheveled looking Mark. Mark's eyes got bags under them, sunken back into his skull. He's got like a midnight stubble going. It's not it's not a good look. And, uh, essentially, there's snow falling about, and they're at, like, they're drinking coffee at something. And Ernst says that he's been shot up with drugs, he's been whisked away from the punching circus, as he calls the, uh, gauntlet that he put Mark through last issue. Says, this is now your thing. How you... Now are here, what happened to that little girl is irrelevant. You fill in the blanks yourself. Hey, hey, hey. Soon the monostructure will be revealed through my elusive commentary and its correlation to the universe around you. If you do not clearly comprehend by the end of this final test, I snap my fingers, your Deatrice dies. The Society des Sadiqs is alive and well, do you see? To which Mark just replies, kind of with a confused look, no? And uh, Ernst's only reply is, my god, even today, you shine. Uh, obviously, uh, sarcasm. That's original. And he goes ahead and starts elaborately displaying his uh, wingspan. Our magical mystery tour begins. Mark, welcome to North 7th and Bedford, the heart of Brooklyn gentrification. And around the camera you see like, you know, hipsters and beautiful people and all these other 
types.、Uh, one guy has a shirt that says, "Used to listen to emo." Okay, laying it on a little thick there. But、uh, Ernst goes on to explain, "You would think someone as old as me, almost as old as time, would not be involved in this, but oh, the society is aware, Mark. This is how we're doing." Not exactly、uh, being specific at this point. All over, they have felt it, and where we have planted the seed, misery, selfish sex, and violence have been made to take root. We do not wilt, Mark. And at that point in time, a probably three and a half foot tall Cthulhu with a pot belly comes strolling by the camera. And、uh, Mark's reaction is just to say, "Weird." Ernst just kind of proclaims, "Do not be distracted." Ha! You've always been weak. I drink this tea every day, and my mind is clear. And、uh, Mark says, "Get out of here, you weird little!" And、uh, he's swinging at the little Cthulhu, and.、Uh, Basically, a swing and a miss, just like when he was fighting ghosts. Maybe he needs a new set of armor, other than a leather jacket and a gray hoodie. Weak, crazy, confused, and I put that in you, Mark. I stole your heart, your youth, but this is not your ghetto. Here, I can grip it tight and squeeze. Ask yourself: Did I break your mind, or did we break your genes? I bet that question plagues you nightly when you shake and sweat like a jilted child. When he swings at this little Cthulhu caricature, he、uh, almost hits this red-headed hipster-type guy. And、uh, let's see here, next page. Gets a nice whapping across the face with、uh, open hand from said hipster, and this basically progresses to Uncle Ernst saying that he's actually Mark's friend, and all he has to do is see things Ernst's way, and yada yada, trying to go ahead and plea. Mark's sanity—that he's actually in control. He just needs a new perspective. And then、uh, Uncle Ernst calls him a bastard, and then says, "Look!" And then, way off in the corner, there's just swarms of assorted types of demons and malcontent spirits just everywhere, all over New York. Let's see, we got. A Cthulhu spirit thing back way, way in the distance.、Uh, I think we got a blue oni demon here in the front.、Uh, yeah, just a lot of assorted monsters all over New York, just crawling up and down the buildings. And then it pans way, way, way up into the air, and it's just a very exaggerated word 
art that just says ha 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 ha, and it stretches all the way down to Uncle Ernst. It says, "Sleep in the Austrian's rotting impotent shell and dream with me." Yeah, he's uh, very much lost his previous facade of calm demeanor. Yes, so guys, that was um, that was a nice description uh, and nice thoughts there on that first act, pretty much with with Max Ernst and Mark at the Carbonatium Cafe. Uh, I wanted to grab grab your thoughts and you, and your further thoughts, Chad, on this. So if we do go through this first act, um, uh, what Connor, what are your thoughts on on this um, this conversation that they have? Well, basically, it's a monologue, isn't it? Yeah, Most it's kind of, of yeah. Sorry, Connor. No, no, sorry, uh, Chad. Did you want to go? Sorry, I was just gonna had a comment about a monologue. No, it's just yeah, it's mostly a monologue. Yeah, uh, go ahead, Connor. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's all good. I think um, yeah, this is. I think this probably was one of the biggest parts of getting into the issue. You really have to kind of dig deep to understand this um monologue, which is kind of a tough way to open an issue sometimes. But I kind of like it because it's kind of a comment on a lot of society at the moment, like a lot of stuff about, I guess, almost toxic masculinity works its way a lot in the here, a lot of kind of, um, you know, Ernst really pushing Mark past, not past, sorry. It's kind of hard to structure this point, but yeah, it's basically... <laughs> Ernst being just a real piece of shit about, and you know, this kind of, yeah, this really toxic definition of being strong and powerful, and Marx basically just kind of suffering the enemy from someone who has struggled with stuff like this, and yeah, and he's kind of just rereading it. Yeah. And yeah, he's kind of, it's, I've heard, I've seen this kind of monologue before from a lot of characters like Ernst, where the, the writer is really inputting, like, some of the worst of society and this view of, like, the strong and the fact that society is apparently, like, invaded society of say this is apparently all around us because they've taken the, the worst of humanity and all this stuff about sex and violence. And it's a very specific point, but it takes a lot to get your head around, I think, to start with, which is... Mm. Which I think is why this issue has been so tough to get around for... A lot of people, I think. Yeah, and and how about yourself, Chad? What do, what do you think? I don't necessarily think that he, Uncle Ernst, is representing toxic masculinity. He's really just sounding like a Nazi. <laughs> <laughs> In the past, he's gone ahead and said things. Oh, you know, I I wasn't really a Nazi. I was just playing the part. But he goes on this, like, spree of just marking up all the things wrong with Mark. Yep. And chalking it up like it's all horrible, like everything with this new age of the world, being genderqueer, multi-ethnic. And he's just kind of like, yeah, that's all. It's (laughs) fooey. Yeah. Yeah, that's a Nazi. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, I, look, I think um, also as well, and it's, I think it's important to know as well that around issue 199 and issue 200 in particular, um, <laughs> Max Bemis, and I say this because, you know, um, I've been able to quickly chat with him as well, uh, these last two issues are, are quite important to him. Um, and I think it actually reveals a lot of, uh, indirectly, a lot of obviously um, Max Bemis's views on 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 society and and how they are. I don't know. I guess looking at his point of view and also how he sees um, the bad sides of society, um, kind of how that is reflected upon towards himself. If that kind of makes makes any sense. Uh, yeah, so I, I, I see it more of a... It's a really, uh, I think, an opening statement from Max Bemis, uh, and it's maybe slightly cathartic for him as well uh, to get this out. I mean, I, I think the reason why a lot of this is maybe confusing to to a lot of the readers is that because, yeah, it, look, it might be slightly indulgent then on Max Bemis's behalf, but he's I think he's instilling a lot of all these thoughts that are going around his head at this at this point in time. Um, and let's remember as well, like, I don't know, Chad, uh, uh, Connor, I think you have read it, uh, that summation that Max released on the Say Anything Band uh, website about the the uh, the hiatus for an indefinite period of time for the band, um, how Max is taking a break from music. Um, it actually goes into a lot of his personal, um, personal struggles and personal um, challenges that he's had. Uh, and I kind of see this as kind of going hand in hand but he's actually used Moon Knight and issue 199 to, to try and air out a, a bit of this that's what I that's what I kind of think but having said that as a reader of Moon Knight this has made this no less confusing <laughs> yeah 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 I think that's yeah I think and that's kind of the thing for me like I think this is confusing and it did take a couple of reads to get into it but I like a lot of where this commentary is coming from, you know, mm. you know his thoughts about society, like being like almost you can see Bemis throwing out what he hates about what people are saying in the world onto Ernst, and I think following his Twitter as well, I kind of see that as well, and just kind of being like, and what Mark goes through in this issue, how it relates to that, I don't know, it just kind of really worked for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And does anyone know the reference here to... Um, I'm going to lean on Chad, our American correspondent. <laughs> um, North 7th and Bedford, the heart of Brooklyn. Is that is that a very important street address? Um, it's just a really uh, kind of happening place. I've only been to New York once. Uh-huh. And it was just... I was in high school at the time and everyone seemed... Like, that's what I want to be. Ah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone's all happy-go-lucky seeming, and uh, it's just like, wow, this is like actually strangely nice for being New York. Yeah, right. (laughs) Right. Um, Yeah, I like. I mean, you see, there's a the shot there of um, of of Ernst uh, standing up with his arms out, talking about the magical mystery tour. And you see a, a few of the residents, I guess, of North 7th and Bedford, and they all do look pretty hip and, um, you know, kind of, yeah, as you say, Chad, it's probably, it probably looks like a very enticing, a very kind of stylish place to be. 
Um, a little note, of, of course, as well, Carbonadium Cafe, Carbonadium, uh, slightly spelt differently, but it's um, the substance of Moon Knight's armour in Vengeance of the Moon Knight, made of Carbonadium. So a nice little nod there to, to Vengeance of the Moon Knight. Yeah, I was just thinking as well, you're talking about, um, just to go on to that point, about, you know, Max Beam's just talking, you know, he even brings up something, you know, you kind of hear around, like, well, talking about myself, you know, someone on, like, antidepressants and stuff like that, you always hear these people going on about, like, I drink this tea every day and my mind is clear, you know? That's kind of uh, like yeah. a direct making fun of people who kind of, like, shit on, like, medication and stuff like that. You can see that worked in there. Why, yeah. I guess, kind of resonated with me more as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But, yeah, I think this issue totally kicks on. I don't know what page it's on. So, if that's page one, two, three, four. I think I kind of started seeing this issue coming together about page five, particularly, yeah. like, the last panel of page five. Yeah, what what is happening there? <laughs> Do we know? Um, <laughs> Sorry, Chad. I be- I believe it's uh, just whatever drug that Mark happened to be shot up with has kind of opened himself to essentially the demons that the society has placed in you know this neck of the woods. Yep. I did wonder like, for. Sorry, Chad. I was just going to say, it's like, you know, Cthulhu used to not be popular at all. H.P. Lovecraft died Mm. poor and lonely. Mm. And the fact that, you know, Cthulhu is now a very popular and edgy thing to read into, it's just kind of like, uh, it's Mickey Mouse now. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, over time, it, it kind of, you know... Change, uh, tastes have changed and developed and yeah and, and it has what once was a, a very yeah cutting edge thing obviously now as you say relegated to like Mickey Mouse I, I thought also as well for a second I thought maybe Mark had tapped into that world that Doctor Strange has access to where I don't know if you either of you I know Connor you probably have read the Jason Aaron run of Doctor Strange and how he lives in a world, basically strange, lives in a world where he actually sees monsters and and all sorts of ghouls um, in society mm. um, because he's tapped into that mystic element. Um, I thought that, but then these these monsters are very different in look. Uh, they're very more, much more demonic than um, than Doctor Strange, and very much more Cthulhu, as you say, Chad. So, yeah, that was just a thought. I thought. It, yeah, it kind of doesn't even go to explain why he's seeing all this stuff. Like, there's no definitive reason given as well, which is interesting. Yeah, that's true. Unless I, mean, I missed it. What maybe. is the what is the tool? What is the the motive of actually seeing these monsters? Yeah, does anyone know? No. Uh, yeah, I think I think Chad brought up a good point before about you know seeing the demons in society. You know, Ernst is talking about the way that society is infected. And stuff like that, and I guess that's being very visually represented with these demons that I think Ernst possibly is somehow put in his head. Yeah, I guess so. I, I guess, I think it's just the way that it's kind of done. I mean, you see that little green fella walking across, that's fine. But then as you say, the demons of society integrating, then there's that big splash of all the demons and monsters, you know, presented in front of Mark and Ernst. 
uh, I don't know, without sounding too um, finicky about it, it doesn't seem like it's inter- like it's part of society integrated. Like for me, when I looked at it, it was just a whole horde of monsters coming at you. It's like, yeah. So I don't. Anyway, so maybe there, that's a, a downfall in the depiction of what the intent was for using these Cthulhu creatures. But yeah, again, yeah, maybe maybe not executed as well. Uh, and actually, in, in the big splash page where he's laughing and there's a snowstorm and they're all flying around there's a bit more of that but um truth be told i I was looking at that more of just enjoying the artwork than actually thinking of what really was happening (laughs) (laughs) um all right well i might just play the next bit of chad's recording we'll go through the next act uh basically starting off with uh yeah the infinity diner and then uh here we basically have Mark being encompassed by assorted demons. There's a giant carrion centipede rolling over his shoulder and winged demons claw around his hair. It's an interesting take. And uh, Uncle Ernst says, see the infinity diner? Do you think this it is ignored for a reason? It is useless now, like a dead little girl with dead eyes that were once bright. Here, Bedstuy's supersized rebellion was bought and sold for an untold fortune. We owned the record shops. We overpriced the hand-me-downs. We supplied the intranasal drugs. We harvested the pleasure to thousands of writhing bodies just as we had in Los Angeles. We put it on the cover of your rock and roll magazines to say this is ours now. This is ours! Yeah, he is a basket case to say the least. Cut to the inside of some apartment building. There's a father and mother little son tied up and uh, Ernst is at the window looking out over the city meanwhile Mark is on the couch and furniture is just thrown all over the room and once again cutting to the inside of a convenience store or something a small shop on the street side and Ernst says can you see it yet Mark give a superhero drugs and they become aware ask yourself are you only a little diamond in the rough can you vouch for all those west coast avengers former members of your secret avengers Heh. pay the price and make the cut Mark do it do as I command Mark is there at the shop counter and he's holding a crescent dagger to a, uh, a man's face and looks like he uh, is very reluctant but not exactly unwilling but next panel he screams no I don't want to Ernst just insists on all the violence we're not even sure if he's done anything 
Mark is pretty clean of blood and any kind of staining, so I'm not sure how far this will go. Yes, thank you, Chad. Um, okay, so this, this slab will take off from the start of the Infinity Diner, just a couple of pages, uh, up until basically just the next two pages, um, what we thought of these this little scene here. Um, maybe again, Chad, would you would you like to elaborate on on the um, what you had mentioned in the recording, just for these two pages? Well, when it comes down to it, in the next couple pages, it just feels like Ernst has somehow taken control of Mark. Like, obviously, he has Dietrich hostage from the last issue, but the thing is. Mark is very, like, willfully being a puppet. Mm. Like, he's holding up the grocery. He's, you know, threatening this family. He's tied up this family. Yeah. And, like, trashed the apartment. Yeah. And... I don't know. I just don't get how he could just make that transition unless, as uh, Ernst said at the beginning of the issue that he had been shot up with drugs. Yeah. I that makes that sense, because there's also a lot this... of... Um, oh, sorry. Sorry, what was that, Connor? Uh, I was just going to say, I guess that kind of makes sense as well, because there's a lot of time jumping as well. There is like, a Mark lot. Mark will be somewhere, yeah. and then he just suddenly wakes up, which, you know, can be a symptom of being drugged. You know, he's just kind of thinks he's in one place immediately, wakes up in the next sort of thing. Mm. Yeah, and there is just also the the, the jumping of, of, of places that I found quite disorientating as well. If we're looking at these two pages, Infinity Diner, then there's the apartment, then there's this hold-up at the grocery store. Um, like you say, Chad, he, he's being used like a puppet by Ernst, but he's still kind of resisting, isn't he? Like, he doesn't, like Ernst is yeah. trying to push him to do even more, like trying to make them hurt, you know? Um, but he hasn't done that. Um, like, he's not going to go there. And then we get again. <laughs> then we get this weird creature that Mark has behind him. Um, almost to me, it reminded me of, of Jim Henson's Muppet Muppets. You know, <laughs> not exactly scary. Um, it was he's almost like lovable. Big dumb smile on his face. <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah. Sorry, Chad. Did you have any other um, points here to to mention? Well, now that I'm thinking about it, I'm you know. Ernst is taking him on this ride, and he's essentially got him under a type of hypnotism. And you can see in every frame that Mark is going ahead and being forced to do all these things. Mm. He's crying in every single one of them. He is, isn't he? He's willfully doing it, but I think that on a cerebral level, he's refusing, and that's how it's manifesting. But I think that the monsters, the various demons, are actually sort of, like, guiding him. Like, the old Socrates, Damon, not demon. Mm -hmm. It's the inside voice telling him what he should be doing. And I think that's what uh, Ernst is guiding him with, is basically an inhibited demon. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's good, yeah. I mean really have to kind of pour through these panels don't you to to kind of tease that out but no that's that's very good chad i reckon that's yeah you're spot on 
Um, uh, let's move on. We'll just throw over again to Chad's description, um, basically of this upcoming scene in some dude's apartment. And then uh, cut to another inside of an apartment building. And there's a disco ball hanging from a one-bedroom, and uh, it's not looking too good inside that room. There's some posters on the wall, um, beer, liquor bottles strewn about, old pizza box, and a book called the Neo Omnicron. Might be a reference to the Necronomicon. And a half-dressed, very uh, emaciated-looking young man is in bed, it looks like. And uh, he says, whoa, this is messed up. Who are? And Ernst picks up a hairbrush and smacks a young man across the face. And uh, immediately, Ernst is on his thing again. He's not a man, Mark. Stop looking at him as a human being and look deeper. And Mark just looks super puzzled, obviously still high off of whatever Ernst gave him, and says, deeper. Here on page 13, yeah, that's what it is. There's uh, this really, really good picture. It's, uh, it's Mark standing in front of the emaciated young man, and Ernst is shouting, Monsters, 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 ah! You know, that whole thing. Madman stuff. And, uh... Yeah, Mark's facing this young man, and there's a very bulky, not caricature in the slightest, um, cephalopod creature, you know, like a Cthulhu type spirit, and he's clutching the young man as if to, uh, have some kind of control over him, with phantasmal tentacles reaching down over his, his head and around his torso, and he seems to have encased this young man down to his feet. It's a really nice picture. Um, that's probably the best panel in the entire book. And then, uh, next panel, we have Mark screaming, Go away! I don't care about you! Leave me alone! And the Amazerian man, he just has no idea what is going on exactly. He's been smacked with a hairbrush, he's got this buff madman yelling at him, creepy blonde uncle behind him, just spouting random bullshit. And then Mark swivels back and says, Conchu, Steven, where are you? Jake, please, I need you. And uh, Ernst's facial expression is just ridiculous. He's obviously cackling maniacally. Like, there's no bubble for it, there's no speech, but he's got this big grin, and it's it's kind of creepy, kind of like the old woman with the hot pokers. Yes. Thank you once again, Chad. So, guys, uh, so this next scene with, well, it pretty much has the Cthulhu-like character, 
Um, kind of reminds me a bit of Predator as well. I think it's pretty cool. <laughs> but um, um, <laughs> we have this culminating in uh, basically Mark um, shouting for his other identities um, and also this young guy in the apartment being intrinsically linked to, to this Cthulhu character. So uh, I found I found this all very confusing myself. Um, I won't lie. I did like the art, so um, I don't know. Have I don't have too much to say about this um, other than is this young man is he meant to be Mark in any way? Have I picked that up wrong or no? Um. Oh, Chad, I'll let you go first. Actually. I, I am at a loss here because I feel like there's not a lot of similarities between Mark or any of the side characters, not Sun King, not the truth. Mm. I, I just don't see how this kid is relevant except for, you know, dropping the Dazzler reference. Is this I kid think... Max Bemis? I'll put it out there. Yeah. What this came to me as is just Ernst picking some random guy like he has in any of the ones and using him as a way to tell Mark about how, you know, evil the society has come, you know, talking about, um, look deeper, you know, he's not a human, he's, he's a monster, and I think he's just chosen some random guy. Seems okay. to be, it's not sad, but he's like, you know, he's in a shirt in a messy apartment, he's probably, he's like a, yeah, he looks like a punk, probably doing drugs. Yeah. Ernst using his excuse to, you know, talk about, you know, how flawed the world has become. And you're right, kind of that, talking about, um, Chad, talking about him being a Nazi, just kind of like, you know, almost like there's a perfect race feeling, like, get this guy out of here because you're, you're the person, um, that I, um, that I want to be my fist sort of thing. And, you know, talking about the society of sadists. I don't know, this, it kind of clicked with the with me here because um, just in the next pages after, and just kind of like the way Mark finally fights back, you kind of realize him realizing about this kind of fable that Ernst has built, and what Mark's doing to to now fight against it. You know, seeing that he doesn't have to be a part of his sick society. Yeah, and that. Yeah. yeah. Well, hang on. Let Let's uh, Let's just draw back a bit. I'll I'll just throw it again to to Chad's. Um, uh, narration or bare bones basically of it and let, yeah let's just go through uh, I'll throw it to Chad to go through those next couple of scenes up until up until that point where Mark does fight back but here in the uh, next panel it shows K-Man and the boys essentially kind of looks like they're locked up in some kind of hieroglyphic prison I think it might be metaphorical, you know, stuck inside Mark's head somewhere. And there's a looming, you know, uh, what's it called? An Anjet, I think it is. It's the Sun King's Eye. Uh, not Sun King, the character, but the actual... No, yeah. Okay. It's okay, Mark. They are occupied. Remember, it is just us. Dude, he is literally crazy, says the young man. And uh, Mark finally snaps into his own 
and says, you're the one who made me angry, you perverted expletive deleted. I want to tear your head right now, Ernst. And uh, he goes ahead and hits him with a backhand. Sends Ernst flying across the room. You know, heavyweight boxer status, right? And then Mark replies with a, Besides, Marlene thinks I'm a good guy. And there's no way in hell Beatrice is going to feel you ruining me. Ernst just lets that sink in for a sec, eyes closed, and then peers up with a very sinister look, like that's probably worse than the demons on the street. Says, well fine, you made me do this. To which he goes ahead and follows up by kicking Mark straight between the legs, actually making him rise up off the ground a little and says, say you're nothing but an errant slave. And, uh, over in the corner of that same panel, the, uh, young man is kind of hanging out with some demons, just kind of watching this all unfold. And, uh, Mark concedes and goes ahead and follows the dialogue that old Uncle Ernst has for him. And he is resistant at first, saying, No, I'm not this person for you. And eventually, Ernst says, Ha, you are like clay. Now say these words. I am no hero. I don't deserve my own infinity. And today is the day I finally give up. But he's holding a hairbrush to Mark's neck, and Mark starts... Some waterworks upstairs. Next panel is also a very good one. You see uh, kind of a flurry of action here. With uh, Mark, one hand is completely enveloped in Uncle Earth's pelvis. You don't you don't see it enter or anything. The other hand is clenched, and there's a beer can rolling across the floor. Uncle Ernst is in severe agony, you can tell by the look on him. But the best thing here is the fact that the Cthulhu spirit that was on the young man, a few of the other demons, they're all being assaulted in this, like, killing spree effect by... You know, Conchu, Jake, even Steven is uh, currently prying tentacles away. And then the young man is in the corner, uh, kind of looking like Joey Ramone. <laughs> and uh, yeah, he's pretty confused, I'm sure. Ernst replies with a, We can't do, and he is immediately cut off by Mark. Because I would rather my daughter die than grow up in your sick fable. And you can see the guys, you know, came in and the boys tying up Cthulhu. Joey Ramon still very confused, holding a cup of coffee in the corner. And Uncle Ernst is bleeding severely out of his pelvic region. We're not sure exactly what has happened there. He says, I I could still do it, Mark. 
But you can't, can you? I can see it now. Your society marooned you with me. Because I was the one who fought back. And the next panel is probably the best one in this page. Just Mark downing the entire cup of coffee that Joey Ramone had. Just black acre dripping down his jaw. Stop. You don't know what it was like, Mark, in Germany, for a man like me. To which Mark replies, I can imagine. My grandparents were Czech, remember? Can I borrow this? As Mark starts walking out the door. If you uh, look closely, he's holding up a very thick white winter coat, and on the back of the coat it says Dazzler. Yeah, that's a thing. And the young man says, Hell yeah, man. Thanks. And the young man, as skinny as he is, starts marching towards Ernst with a very uh, menacing look on his face. And Ernst's last words are, Wait, but please don't go. You know, comeuppance and whatnot. Yes, so that was um, just another summary of the next few pages there. Uh, what we have is, yeah, Mark basically finally using his identities to attack uh, the demons and to attack Ernst. And he kind of gets him really good, doesn't he? I mean, uh, it's a crescent dart, it's bloodied, and, um, and Ernst is down on his haunches. So he kind of only left there to, to kind of gather what Mark has done. Uh, yeah, I didn't see. It. I I thought he was just punching him, and then it was just like how brutal it was. It's like, oof. Oh, okay. But the next the next uh, next page has got the bloody crescent dart. Oh it? no! So that's what I meant. Like I thought he was just punching him, and then you pull back to reveal he stabbed him. Oh right, yes, yes, yes. Full on. Yeah. yeah, no, it's a good it's a good splash page. I must say. I'm uh, I'm kind of thinking more and more that little guy might be might be Max Bemis. But anyway. Um, yeah. Um, what 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 does everyone else think about about what's happened here? Then, um, basically, Ernst tries to get Mark to basically. He literally wants to control him. Like he he um he's saying, "Say you're this, you know. Say you're a slave." He goes, um, "What does he say? Uh, say these words. I am no hero." He really wants to break Mark down, um, and yeah, I I think. I think it was a it was a good build up. Um, I I really did like seeing the the vision of within Mark's mind. Um, you see his Id- identities hugging each other. That was after Mark is calling for them, um, but then Mark yeah finally retaliates um, and Ernst uh, retaliates back and, and tries to really break Mark, but it culminates in yeah in Mark uh, unleashing at the end. Um, again, was this confusing for you guys at all, or um, what, what was happening? Uh, oh yeah, um, I guess I'll go. I was just saying, yeah, it kind of is where it kind of made the most sense to me. Where he's, you know, talking about finally fighting back against the society. I think it's Mark coming to a realization about, um, you know, just how little control, uh, what's his face, Ernst actually has over him, and this whole, yeah, experiment in sadism and society doesn't work because he has 
once again Deatrice, he realises that he doesn't have to be part of a society of sadists, and the commentary just kind of yeah. came together. We're talking about, you know, your society marooned you with me because I was the one who fought, fought back. You know, basically just being, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. How about you, Chad? Um, I, I think it might be the sleep deprivation, and maybe it's just giving me a new perspective. But now that I'm looking at it again, it kind of makes me, like, it reminds me of the whole uh, Dr. Emmett doing the evaluation on uh, patient 86, I think it was. Oh, okay. And the similes between the, like, old Egyptian pantheons and how, you know, the fire is supposed to be, like, an indicator about masculinity and your potence, but it's fragile. Mm -hmm. If you break it, then it just, it can't be repaired. Yeah. Yeah. Meanwhile, the moon is supposed to be mercurial and adaptive, and I think that's very much essentially the same thing that we have going here. Right, yeah. Ernst has these very distinct beliefs against everything that the moon is. The moon's night. Mm -hmm. And, well, Mark's rolling with the punches, being adaptive. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's... Yeah, totally. That's a way to pull the series together. Yeah, that that would. Um, It would be a bumper read, like if you read from Crazy Runs all the way through here, but... Yeah, I mean, if that, yeah, that that would be a really cool cyclical thing, I think, Chad, which is um, which is pretty cool. Uh, look, we might move on forward again. Uh, we've only got the last few pages here, so I'll again throw it to Chad to finish off the bare bones narration for this one. And Mark's reply is pretty good. You know what? You can't make me do anything anymore, and I need to take up expletive deleted walk Ernst's uh, final words as K-Man the boys are prying his heart out while there's a pyre of souls coming from his chest it says enjoy your god walk crazy man prepare to meet your maker Mark Spector to which Jake ever the uh, pragmatic one says prepare to meet yours you Nazi geezer and then it cuts out to the streets where Mark starts drifting from the, uh, I think it's the studio apartment on the second floor. You can see him work his way through a crowd of uh, shadowy demons, civilians. Some cherubs are out there. We've got Pigeon. And lots of propaganda posters. Like, uh, there's one that's very They Live. It says... Buy more, be happy. And uh, it's just a very surreal landscape. There's shadowy entities in the corners. There's a zombie. There's a few devils. Cthulhu's back in the corner. There's uh, another centipede demon. And then looming over all of this is another shadowed out cephalopod. So, uh, that's haunting. And then, finally, this last page on issue 199. It's on Bedford Avenue. There's a 
nice full moon up in the sky over what looks to be Sun King. And he says, hey, Mark, with a left hand outstretched on fire. And it says, return of the Sun King, the final battle. Moon Knight, number 200 next month. Yes, so we come to the end of this issue. But before that, um, what we do see is obviously a tearing out of the heart of Ernst, which was another big kind of page, I thought. Um, And Mark going for a walk. Um, And as he walks through, yeah, the streets of New York, he comes across the Sun King, who looks very different. I mean, actually, I prefer this look of the Sun King. Uh, he does look a lot more malevolent, um, but yeah, a bit of a surprise. And he's got the Society of, of Sadists behind him as well. So all and a full moon above him. So all um, all culminating into one final issue here. Uh, again, I guess, guys, what do we make of this? Um, so Mark basically takes control of himself again. He he dispels Ernst um, and. Yeah, that that little reference there, Chad, of Mark taking the Dazzler coat off the guy, who again I'm going to call Bemis, he leaves Ernst to him. So what does... um, But he disappears, right? And then we get Mark's identities ripping out the metaphorical heart of Ernst. It is a metaphorical one, isn't it? It's not a physical representation? Yeah, I don't think so. No. How about yourself, Chad? Um, like most of Moon Knight comics, I leave it very much in the realm of possibility. Yeah. But not believing it. Yeah, yeah, true. Yeah. I guess, um, yeah, I guess it is a bit of a metaphorical, but you're right. I, I wouldn't put it past, <laughs> put him past it. But what's happened to that guy? What's happened to that young kid then? He's, he's like a, got a steely glaze to him. He's heading towards Ernst. Ernst is shouting to, to Mark, don't go, wait. And then all of a sudden the identities kind of get him. Um, so maybe then this this young fella, I don't know, is a, is a version of Mark? I don't know. It's, again, it's, it's a little confusing. Um, uh, but what, what did everyone think of the Sun King's return? Uh, well, yeah. there's yep. a billboard in the distance that says the end is nigh. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, true. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I just didn't see that. Um Connor, yourself, what did you think? Was it a bit of a curveball? Uh, totally, um, but it totally makes sense because, you know, Beamus did kind of want to set this guy up as the Joker, one Batman reference per episode. Uh, get that one out of the way. <laughs> um, so it makes sense he'll, he'd be back for the big finale, and I like that he's with the Society of Sadists because that's when it kind of clicked with me that this issue would make more sense in conjunction with 200 and everything's going to sort of work its way back for really hopefully satisfying finale yeah see i mean i thought i was edging towards i can't remember whose um theory it was but i was edging towards ernst becoming like the the arch nemesis of moon knight and not sun king i thought the sun king was a bit of a a red herring in that sense but obviously not and obviously it makes more sense the moon knight versus the sun king so he would have to be the polar opposite but um, it did throw me a little. I, I did feel a little. It did feel a little awkward seeing him at the end. I thought just because we hadn't seen him since, you know, the end of Crazy Runs in the Family. Um, so there's, there are a lot of questions as to 
what happened? How, like, how, you know, how did he escape or, or whatever happened to him between now and then? Um, there's a bit of explanations, um, you know, that we need. So, mm. yeah, um, yeah, that was that was the that was the issue. <laughs> um, and thanks, uh, thanks, Chad, for providing the uh, the running yeah. narration throughout that as well. That was. That was really helpful, actually, and it's um, it was good to actually go through that and then kind of analyse a little deeper into into the issue. I can't say it, it has clarified things anymore for me. Um, uh, how about you, Connor? Uh, yeah, totally. I think this one. Who knows if we'll ever truly figure out? I kind of want to talk to Bemis about this, sitting one on one. Yeah, him. me It'd be too. Totally cool to see what he did, but I think Chad. I don't know. Chad's great. That was a great narration. I hope everyone listening got something out of it. But I think it also just tied our discussion together. So that's handy for an episode that yeah. could sound completely <laughs> just off the walls. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Unhearable. Oh, yeah, definitely. And uh, and, and Chad, yourself, um, any final thoughts on this? Uh, maybe I should try rereading stuff while sleep-deprived. <laughs> <laughs> you never know, you know? You unlock something in the brain, um, and things become clearer. Look, same with you, Connor. I am looking forward to finding out more about this issue, and that's actually a good segue, loonies. Um, I'd like to put it out there now, since we've uh, kind of finished our review of 199. We'll get to the ratings soon enough. But just to let you know that for our next current book review for issue 200, which is the final issue, if the moons align, <laughs> um, yes, we will have Max Bemis on the show Woo! to yeah to go through issue 200 and also to field um, any questions that you may have um, of his run, basically from 188 onwards. He he's mentioned that he's an open book. He can't wait um, and. Uh, you know, just he'd like to just answer stuff off the records. Um, as I mentioned before, 199 and 200 are very close to him because it it marks a particular point in his life. Um, so I'd like to gain some clarity as well on 199 from him. And if he's willing, I mean, you know, things might be a bit too personal. I don't want to obviously tread on toes. Uh, we might be able to um, shed some light on, on more of these issues and the past ones as well. So what we'll do... Um, Loonies, if I can ask, uh, possibly, I think more, it'd be better if if you could write into us. So email us, please, on itkmoonnight at gmail.com. Uh, I, just email us your questions that you would like to ask Max, um, and we'll try to collate them. And, um, and if we have enough, or, or if there are too many, we might have to just pick and choose. Uh, we'll, we'll present them to Max, and we can go through it, and you can hear it straight from the creator himself. So that will be exciting. That won't be for another month or so because obviously we have to wait for issue 200. But that's uh, that's a plan, Jan. So, um, yeah, we, we'll have that coming up. Um, Chad, would you be keen on, on joining in there? You, you were with us with Jason Burrows. Why not have a, a come along for Max Bemis? Hell yeah. <laughs> cool. Um, yeah, well, I mean, start thinking about those questions as well. I mean, Max will also cover stuff of uh, his upcoming projects, which will be exciting to hear. But, um, yeah, so please email us in on itkmoonight at gmail.com for your questions. Okay, we have to come to our moon rating here, fellas. Uh, I'll start with our guest, Looney Chad. 
um, with our new moon rating system. Uh, what would you rate this issue? One ninety nine. Let's see here. Uh, now, the waning is a low score, and the waxing is a higher score, right? Uh, yes, that's correct, yep. Okay. I think... Oh, jeez, I can't remember. I think I, uh, I think I get them mixed up. Let, let's just say that it is then, and we'll have to um, put more stringent. <laughs> I thought waning was, yeah, waning is less, yeah. Waxing's more, yep. Mm, I think I'd have to go with more of a mostly waning moon. Like uh-huh. like I said earlier, I, the first time I read it, it wasn't that great. Yep. I kind of got led into a lot of dead ends. Yeah, I didn't see the point in a lot of it. And you know, rereading it, it's kind of gotten better. And I feel like that's been kind of a good summary of the Bemis run. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that that's good. So like that would be a say out of ten, what would that be? I think that'd be like a that'd be a seven. Seven, okay. Cool. Cool. Seven, so that's almost uh so you could call that a, a, a waning waning gibbous, I think. So a bit less than a three quarter moon. So seven out of ten. Yeah. Okay. Um how about yourself, Connor? Yeah, mine's the same, actually. It was a waning gibbous. It's probably about a 7.5 out of 10, if you're looking at. Um, I like a lot about this issue. It's obviously very confusing, and trying to string together some points for this episode has been racking, to say the least. Um, but I like a lot of what Bemis has to say. I always have in all of his books. You know, a lot of this stuff almost relates to a lot of stuff I've heard, like the way... Ernst presents a viewer society is the way you hear shit around the internet as well. Stuff like that. So this resonated with me. Uh, it's still very confusing. It still needs a lot to make a bit more sense with the upcoming 200, hopefully. Like I said, I like that commentary, so that's kind of the divide there. And a big push is for this art, which I think is fucking phenomenal. Um, yeah. I'd love to see what Burroughs would do with this issue, but Davidson has done an honestly a perfect job with Miller. Yep. I think these designs, these characters, there is just not a drop wasted of page space for just incredible artwork and these demons and this character work, the emotion, the energy, it's just full on and the colours are so just just add such a mood and like the scenes with the snow, just some of my favourite pages of the year and the panels with the white like there are just some panels where the white just works as panel borders. And yeah, I could just stare at this page forever. So that's so yeah, I stick by that. Okay, excellent, excellent. Um, I'll have to give it a um, waxing crescent, I think. Um, so I'll have to give it a low score, unfortunately, because I don't know. I, w- I was really for me, this was the least enjoyable issue of Max Bemis's run. But having said that, I am willing to learn and understand more about it um, from Max Bemis himself. Um, and I guess if, if we do understand it a bit more, um, like from, from what Max Bemis says, then it would end up being a lot more enjoyable. It, it just seemed a little too cryptic for me um, and a little confusing. The narrative thread was was, um, was hard to follow 
uh, it's hard to obviously as well maintain um, attention to it when it's largely a monologue as well. Uh, and also there's the absence of Moon Knight, uh, the costume Moon Knight as well, which was... I don't mind, but it's... Um, with that, plus the, the monologue and plus the the confusing narrative, it, it just made it very difficult. So I'd say a waxing credit, which would be less than a quarter moon, I'd, I'd give it, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, I'm willing to I'm willing to change my mind, you know, later down the track um, if I understand more about it. But upon a first read, it's yeah, it was a pretty tough read, I thought. Um, so so there you have it, loonies. Um, that was 199, the second last issue of Volume 9. Um, now, just quickly, guys, uh, we got a lot of, of uh, feedback for this issue. Um, and so what, and I mentioned it on our Facebook group, just in summary, most of the, the loonies were, I guess, disappointed. Um, some of them were frustrated with the issue. Um, there were things such as, I guess... Um, the way a lot of the legacy characters have been handled, like like Mark and Conchu and Bushman, um, that have kind of rubbed up some of the loonies the wrong way. Uh, there were, I mean, Max Bemis has taken li- great liberties here for, for Moon Knight, and to me that is a big strength of Moon Knight. You know, every volume is different, but it just hasn't seemed to uh, have gelled with a lot of the loonies. So, uh, you know, I guess the... the um, a blanket statement for it would be a lot of people are actually uh, are looking forward to issue 200, um, but they're also looking forward to maybe another fresh start for, for Moon Knight. Um, what are your What are your guys' thoughts on just the overall Max Bemis run? I know uh, you've kind of mentioned that already, Chad, but um, Chad, um, yeah, what what are your overall kind of thoughts of of coming into 200 uh, in a month's time? Well, essentially, if we don't get a good finisher on the run, uh, the moon score is going to go down a lot. Yeah. Like, if you're just going to leave it, yeah. you know, dead end at every single interval, yeah. that's not really a positive run. That's true. I think a lot of it largely has to do with sticking the landing. I think exactly as you say, there's there's a lot riding on 200, actually, I, I think. Um well, for a lot of loonies, at least. Um, how about you, Connor? Um, yes, I think actually I, I agree a lot with Chad. I've um, I think I've, I'm always talking about. I think I, I like this. I think I like this run a bit more than most. I think I like a lot with Bemis has to say. And the problem with cancellation is, yeah, 200 could really just hit a sad note and just not be the finale to to what we want this to be and what Bemis wants to say. So I really hope 200 is good. But I think I, I admire his creativity and his uniqueness in the run. I think there's definitely stuff in here that can totally be carried over yep. into next phases of Moon Knight. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I Same, Connor. Um, I think I admire Max Bemis for taking these, these big strides. Uh, look, if you think about it as well, if you look at the likes of Warren Ellis... Um, he took big chances by introducing Mr. Knight, um, you know, and uh, and you know the other the other armor as well, and that that has been well enough received from from Loonies. Uh, each volume is different. 
Um, so we've got stuff like Dietrich, who I'd love to see later on as well. And look, if anything, Max has also left a, a great legacy of of rogues gallery villains, um, which, you know, you may not have liked them in this run, but there's a lot of potential in them. And uh, who knows how they'll be used later on down the track. Um, and so so there's a lot... Max Bemis has expanded quite a lot um, of the run, um, but whether you like the run or not, uh, yeah, is is obviously uh, it's, a, it's a personal thing. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I think there could be a lot taken from this run. Um, yeah, and we'll just see where it goes. Okay, uh, well, we'll have to wrap this uh, this up, loonies. Um, once again, I'd like to thank you, Chad, for coming on. Uh, I know that you have next to no sleep so thank you so much for actually doing the the bare bones for us but also for taking the time to come on the show as well yeah i love coming on so why yeah you've been valuable this episode we always love what you have to say chad yeah yeah absolutely so yeah whenever please yep um just hit us up and and yeah you're on the show for sure um so thanks a big thanks to the power of chad um also just next uh next phase Oh, actually, sorry, before that, as I mentioned, since it is the waning gibbous, on Monday we will release an ILRR Sessions. This will be an ILRR Session with none other than Phil Perich, the co-host of Capes and Lunatics podcast. Had a, a really cracking, fun in, uh, conversation with him. So uh, we're at the Grant Mansion for that one. So that was a lot of fun. Go check that out in a couple of days. Uh, as for our next episode... Um, after that, we will be in, going into a waning crescent. So we'll be looking at a classic run, and we will have, again, one of our favourite loonies, Josh Geronimo Johnson, with us to uh, also look at Amazing Spider-Man 220, which is the next in Moon Knight's appearances in history. Um, a little note as well, the actual next appearance is Marvel Team-Up Annual Number 4, but Connor and I, we have already covered that all the way back in episode two of Into the Night. So we went into a, an in-depth review of that. So we won't um, we won't do that again. We'll just jump on to the next one, which is Amazing Spider-Man 220. So that should be a lot of fun next week. Um, okay, Connor, um, where can loonies find us? Uh, loonies can find us in a whole bunch of fantastic places, but our website is Into the Night podcast.wordpress.com got all our resources there all the members of the collective all the episodes newsletters contacts all that good stuff uh, we're facebook.com slash ITK Moon Knight just good easy stuff to find there once again uh, if you go you add a little groups in there you do facebook.com slash groups slash ITK Moon Knight that is our fantastic group we're past 500 members now I think it is just happening in there Always great stuff. We talk about the latest issues in there. Whatever you want, it's Moonlight related. Get on in there. Uh, Twitter at ITK Moon Knight. Uh, with Ray's on there tweeting constantly. It's a great place to, you know, direct questions to the show as well. Uh, we've got Instagram, Tumblr, YouTube. Search Into the Night of Moon Knight podcast on all podcast catches. Hopefully, we're there. Yes. Um, yeah, so thanks once again, Loonies, for listening. Um, we are off now to... Oh, we have a long weekend, don't we, Connor? So it's, uh, it's actually grand oh, yeah. final week- weekend, uh, which won't mean much to non-Australians. But um, off to hopefully see a bit of the footy. But no, thanks for listening, Loonies. And uh, as always, 
May Conchi watch over the Denizen... Oh, actually, sorry, before I say that, a big thanks once again, sorry, to Delita for all the music provided for this episode and for episodes subsequent. So a big thanks to, yep, to the band Delita, in particular, Looney Knoll. So thank you. Uh, as always, Loonies, may Conchi watch over the Denizens of the Night. Catch you later. Goodbye. Moon Knight and affiliated characters, stories and events are properties of Marvel Characters Incorporated. Materials used and discussed within the podcast are intended for critique and review purposes only under the fair dealing concept of the current Copyright Act. The views, information or opinions expressed during the podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of the copyright owners.